Bassist, sideman, arranger, father, leader. These are just a few words that begin to describe my guest, Ike Sturm. Having grown up in a house that permeated music under the influence of his father, jazz, composer, arranger, educator, Fred Sturm, Ike has charted out his own path as a musician. He heads up the music program at the famous St. Peter's Church, also known as the Jazz Church, in New York City, plays in nature with his group Endless Field, and he is a frequent sideman to some of the greatest names in modern jazz. Talking with Ike was like talking with one of my best friends. We laughed, we shared, we connected, and I so enjoyed our time together, as I hope you will, listening in. Here's my conversation with Ike Sturm. Welcome to The Playful Musician. I'm your host, Steve Davidson. Each week, I sit down with musicians from all different paths, from composers to conductors, percussionists to piccolo players, to tease out their strategies, practice habits, tips, tools, tricks, routines, and how they keep all of it playful. The Playful Musician is an intimate look into the lives of each musician, how they got to where they are, what motivates and inspires them, and what playing music means to them. If you'd like to learn more about the guests or just more about being playful, head on over to the website, theplayfulmusician.com. There you can find show notes, links to all references mentioned in the show, and all kinds of resources related to music. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe to The Playful Musician on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're at it, why not leave a review as well? Thanks again, and without further ado... Here is this week's episode. Mike, welcome to The Playful Musician. Thanks so much for joining the show. Thanks for having me. That's really, uh, it's really fun. You're the first bass player, so <laughs> this is really awesome. <laughs> first and last, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. The one and the only... <laughs> Now it's it's really cool to have you here. Um, how how are things where you are? How 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 are you guys doing? How are you and the family? Well, we're hanging in there. I think um, I'm. What comes to mind is we had actually had a our first live concert uh, where I am right now, which is a little backyard studio that we built um, during this mm-hmm. last year, and we had <clears throat> some of my friends, a trio, back here with some friends and neighbors and candles and you know Mm. kids running around and it was just it was as cool as it whatever image is conjured in your mind when i describe that it was it was that cool it was so great to have people meeting each other and talking to each other for the first time and then in some cases old friends that are seeing each other and that was my favorite other than having a blast playing my my uh, favorite and lasting image from that was just seeing people together and feeling comfortable to be in that spot again. It was just the, it was so great. So we're gonna keep doing that. So you're gonna make that a a regular thing. Yeah, the, and it's interesting. My wife and I were talking about it this morning because last night really felt like the effort was to. Inc- make this something that's available to people anywhere, like, you know, online. Mm -hmm. And what we noticed is we want to keep that 
uh, that's important to have that access for for others that we want to share it with. But what we realized is that the emphasis really needs to be on the the com physical community that's here, and then beyond that, finding a way to make it accessible to others. But right. what we noticed is that right now, the sort of uh, growing point was um, and the kind of pie, you know, place that felt like it was. Um, some kind of edge was was that that community in person, you know, which makes sense coming out of where we've been. Right, where you haven't had, I imagine you haven't had much of that in the last like 13, 14 months. Yeah, very little. I mean, a lot of the live stream kinds of kinds of things, which has at least taught us how to make things more accessible to other people. You know, we have friends that may not be able to get out of their homes or may not have a home or people that are in other countries or, you know, and, and so I think this time has sort of um, grown our, our abilities to, to reach those people, but, but also given us such a, a desire to reconnect with the people that we see day to day and, you know. So. Yeah, I, I think that's a recurring theme of, you know, not take not taking things for granted or, or like really, you know, I hope I and I hope that lingers a bit, <laughs> you know, like two years from now, three years from now, I, I hear a lot of musicians say, you know, they're, they're not going to take for granted in person performances after this, because maybe they sort of did prior to all of this. And now it's like, never gonna i'm never gonna take it for granted again it's funny you mentioned our our friend sarah caswell that was um part of this and and it made me think of a recording session we did together a few weeks ago and it was at a place where it took me like you know there's a traffic jam it took like two hours to get in and it was a situation where normally we had to be there pretty early mm. normally i would not be fired up about the chain of events that happened that morning and I found myself completely relaxed and just appreciating that I was going there and that I was able to do this. And I was kind of laughing about it afterwards thinking, I don't know how long that's going to last that kind of <laughs> this sort of, uh, you know, honeymoon period where we yeah. can, we can just appreciate any opportunity to play together and human nature. I think it will, we'll probably find a way to get back to, you know, complaining and, and doing all that kind of stuff. But it, what a great example and model for us to come back to, to remember like how fortunate mm. we are to see each other and be with each other and make music yeah. together. And, you know, so I'm yeah. hoping I can hang on to that for a long time. Right. How have things been at St. Petersburg? So you're the assistant music director of specifically of jazz I'm yeah. going to get your title wrong, but I'm just Everyone curious. Everyone always does. It's okay. You're in very good company. Don't <laughs> worry. And it's cha it changes every couple of years too. It's basically, a, I'm the jazz director at the church at St. Peter's, which they've called the jazz church for many years because right. John Coltrane and Duke Ellington and mm -hmm. um, Dizzy Gillespie and Thelonious Monk, all these really historic events. In fact, um, John Coltrane's um, trombonist, uh, Curtis Fuller, who passed away just in the last couple of weeks, we're going to oh. be hosting a um, memorial for him tomorrow on zoom to to you know share this with musicians and mm. it's really kind of a more like a funeral um we mm. usually do more like memorials but um so we feel really honored to kind of um be part of that great tradition and and just sort of be alongside families as they go through a difficult process like that yeah. so it's been it's been really um i've been 
working with their family. It's been beautiful to see how they've handled that. And mm. so, yeah, I've, I've been doing that for, um, for 17 years now. It's been a long, long stretch and seen a lot of different musical adventures and projects. Mm. And one of the coolest things that's happened in this time is this group that we have called Jazz for All. And it's essentially a choir, like a jazz choir, but there are instrumentalists in it as well. Mm -hmm. um, we have some of our homeless community as part of that and, and has been able to mm -hmm. participate in our um, online, like with, with Zoom. And and um, it's just the most beautiful gathering of people. It's, a, it's just fantastic to see these people come from different faith backgrounds, um, socioeconomic backgrounds, race backgrounds, and like just come together. And over the course of this last year, especially with all the incredible developments and turbulent times and mm. lessons and everything that we've been going through to sit with people that have a really different perspective from one another mm -hmm. and to talk through that and to feel connected has been so powerful. I have goosebumps talking about it because mm. I've, I've really had this, uh, it's been an absolute, uh, gift to, to be part of that. It, I, you know, I, I, in a sense lead that group, but I very much feel like I'm just part of the fabric of it as I see everyone contributing. And it was actually a, a, a longstanding group now that really went into a whole nother gear during the pandemic. We, mm. we started meeting more frequently, more people contributed and, and attended. And it's, it's really like, you know, gone, it's really, uh, picked up a lot of steam during this season. So it's interesting to see what like certain things that are so necessary or people are hungry for during a time like this. And, um, when you just sort of let nature take its course, it's interesting to see how much that can grow. And mm. we've had regularly, a, you know, a large group of people, a, a small enough group of people where everyone knows each other's names and is your cat okay? And is your <laughs> grandmother's surgery yeah. tomorrow? And, and, we had a funny story with a group where someone came on, a new administrator came on and said, we were about 10 minutes into the meeting. We're just ch doing this chit-chatting and talking mm -hmm. about, you know, mm -hmm. each other's lives. And, and they interrupted and they said, I'm so sorry. I just wanted to say, you can, you can start now. It's, you know, 12 minutes into the meeting. And I just laughed and I said, oh, we've started. <laughs> this this is, is the meeting. This is the meeting uh, because people just needed to feel mm. heard and known and, um, you know, and feel this sense of connection. And so we've gotten to a lot of deep musical things as well. People trying to sing and trading, trading ideas and mm. writing poems and songs and all sorts of things. The people have sort of encouraged each other to, to be more and more creative and to, um, to dig in, in a way that I haven't seen them doing before. But at the same time, the, the kind of, um, congenial, like, uh, meaningful stuff back and forth between people has been so cool to see. So it's been like a lifeline for me personally during this stretch. Right. It sounds like it's very, it's been very uplifting for you. Yeah. And what's yeah, the really age, has. age range of this group? Uh, 14 to 94 or something. Wow. <laughs> we do have some, uh, at least one 90 year old in, in the 91 year old, I think in the group. And, um, and then we, we do have, you know, college students or sometimes younger that w that will, I guess usually it's a little bit older than that. It's probably kind of college age up until as <laughs> way up there, you know? So it's really a, that's part of the wild diversity of this group. That's so cool because you get these different perspectives from where people are coming from. And it's just, it's so cool. And the great part about it, it's not this like corporate 
sense of like let's get people from this background and this this different place it's like it's just a very it's an inclusive place where the doors open up and just by nature of uh people coming together if you're really open to that yes. you're going to have a That's really awesome. diverse there, of experiences um, and human beings so is it's there really is there like a recording or something you guys can uh, do very with a big project with that group <laughs> what's good question we we've mm -hmm. done um we have done some musical recordings we've done there are a couple uh examples of things on the saint peter's um <laughs> like facebook yeah. page and things where we've done first i know for yeah. christmas and for easter we did collaborative pieces with you know the little brady bunch squares and people people <laughs> tuning in from home um so we've done some of that work and that's really that's been great to work on too mm. but really largely the group exists sometimes we intentionally don't record that group and the meetings because it's such a vulnerable place. And I think that's one of the things that I think really sets that group apart is that people have this way of being, um, very open in that group. And, and part of the way that we, <laughs> right. um, protect that is by yeah. not making it a performance and not making it okay. Nobody blow it. We're going to go live to the world, you know, in 10 seconds, like everyone has this feeling mm -hmm. of like, Boy, I'm really kind of worried about bringing this up, but this is a family place yeah. where I feel really safe to to talk about a particular thing, and so it's it's a very it's a very fun group, but can be a very serious and emotional group too. And I think it's it's been a place mm -hmm. where I think a lot of people needed to go during the stretch, where you did didn't have a lot of our our normal yeah. coping yeah. mechanisms for um so it, for Saint even Peter's daily have, life, but let alone uh, all the services collectively like, been through this how, year. How has that you know? been over since since last March? Like, have you guys continued to have like musical services? Are the jazz vespers been happening? Like, how has that progressed over the last twelve months or so? Yeah, so we've mm. continued to meet every single week. Um, they've been quite pared down. We've been doing um, just voice and bass as opposed to big band or studio orchestra, the things that we would normally do. Um, but in Jan, mm -hmm. so that was already happening where we were doing this kind of pared down thing. And we have some incredible singers nice. that we've been able to work with. Um, I know you've connected with Lila Bialy. She's a dear friend of mine. In fact, we're trying to get something together this month with Lila. But um, she, you know, musicians of of her caliber, this incredible mm -hmm. young singer named Michael Mayo, who's who's been doing some things, and Catherine Russell, the great blues and jazz singer, and um, Melissa Stilianu, who's um, an amazing singer. So we have this this group of a few singers that are just really phenomenal, and they've been really um, oh, no. kind of doing the lion's share of these services. Um, but in January, we had a really bad uh, flood, like water damage at St. Peter's that came in. Yeah, it was wa a water main on Lexington Avenue and right next oh, to wow. the church broke and ruptured. And I mean, they, there was, <laughs> they, mm. they took a thousand bags of mud out of the, mm. uh, had, out of the church. That's how much oh, water damage had no. come in. It was just absolutely terrible. Yeah. So um, my office was completely destroyed All my library, my dad's music and all this is very, very tough scene yeah mm. so um on top of where where we were in january emotionally like to have that happen too it was like wow it was surreal you know 
And um, so as a result of that, we, we were already, you know, I mm -hmm. guess in one on one upshot, we were already used to being pretty agile about every couple of weeks stuff was changing, you know, with the pandemic and how we do things, where we do things. And so this was just like, you know, putting it into another gear. And I ended up, um, thank goodness, I had, I had mm. <laughs> sort of like a field of dreams or something. Mm. I had built this studio in my backyard a year ago, thinking that, you know, just to kind of try to adapt and, and have the space. And so we've been doing the Vespers from here every, every week since January, which has been great actually. Um, but there's, there's a long-term plan. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. It's going to take a long time. So we're trying to sort through what does that look like? How do we get back together in person and how do we respond? So it, it puts an emphasis back on this group that I was talking about with jazz mm. for all that's a digital gathering. Right. That's really been a saving right. grace for us because yeah, we have I stayed think, quite know, intimately looking ahead, everybody's through that, even though we can't be together in person. Looking to get back to... I don't want to say normal because I don't know what that means, but you know, um, back to back to the reg regular routine. I don't know. Um, it's <laughs> interesting with the jazz vespers, like that's. It seems like that phenomenon has really exploded across the nation. Like even here, where I live in Southern Oregon, they there's a church that started doing that, which seems really cool. But I, growing up. I mean, when I was going to church, you know, we, we the thought of jazz and church was never really cr crossed my mind as a little kid. And um, do you see that as well? Like it just that becoming a more popular thing to have a a like jazz as part of the services. I've definitely heard that. It's cool to hear you talking about it because I. I get senses of it from time to time. I usually, because of where we are at St. Peter's, I often get emails and phone calls from these churches that are stepping into the water in that way to say like, Hey, we're thinking about trying this. What do you think we should do? Or here's our plan. Or do you have music or resources? And, um, be, it's a pretty grassroots thing right now because there isn't really infrastructure or, um, a lot of written material. You know, there's this kind of historic stuff that people know about, from Mary Lou Williams and Duke Ellington and things like that. But um, in terms of practical, like, hey, what do we use for a psalm? Like, do you guys do a Magnificat? Like, what do we, what, what's a spiritual that we can play? All that kind of stuff. Um, to me, I think it's a, it's a really cool uh, organic kind of move. And I think we'll see it probably more and more. It's interesting, you know, we've been doing it here for like over 50 years, but it was so extreme when it began. And I think it takes a long time for that pattern to kind of, play out. And I think, I think when I, when I really think about it, it makes a lot of sense because in churches we see this, um, this move, you know, this, this move toward classical music, which so many people are aware of, or mm -hmm. there's sort of this extreme divide between like, uh, what is most received or known as classical music. And then like this kind of contemporary folk rock kind of, mm -hmm. kind of stuff that's very polarizing because people, not a lot of people embrace both of those things they're so different um right i actually enjoy different like when stuff is well done in either of those contexts i enjoy that i don't mind going into different universes like yeah. that but for me <clears throat> jazz i think presents um if you can do it 
in a way that feels organic for the community, you know, are based around a college that you have, which so many people have, you know, like within their mm -hmm. state or within a few hours of where your church is, there, there are these colleges and, and programs where, where musicians are really creative and are, are absolutely hungry for any opportunity to explore and play. And, and so I think, um, for me, I've had an opportunity, fortunately, to play and study classical bass and, and to play in, you know, kind of gospel, uh, pop kinds of, you know, electric mm -hmm. kinds of situations. And then, but then all my experience as a jazz player, I'm like, oh, okay, well, all of these are interesting contexts. What makes the most sense for a particular service or liturgy or what makes right. the most sense for a particular church season or all that kind of stuff. So, um, for me, I think that jazz actually makes a ton of sense because it's all based around listening and it's so mm. uh, spontaneous and so adaptive that when we're talking about this, this sense of listening to the spirit or even listening to within a community and being perceptive to, um, and, and responding to events that are around us, you know, if something happens, which every week something is happening every day, something is happening yeah. and we plan these long-term things where they're not able to bend or move or evolve mm. or change in any way. So I noticed something recently where, you know, <clears throat> we had something planned at church and it was the night the, the Capitol was stormed and, mm -hmm. and you know, I noticed this community sort of just sticking to the script and sticking to the plan. And I was like, the stuff we planned last month or this morning or whatever it was no longer applies in the same way because yeah. everyone is feeling this sense of, you know, upheaval and this, we're in a different place right now. And so what I love about this music is it, it constantly puts you in this place of, um, my dad would call it fielder's position. If I was playing baseball, it's like, <laughs> you're just ready to go in any direction forward or back side to side yeah. and respond to the people that are around you, to the spirit that, that is moving in you. And musically, I think there's a really, I think one thing that's loaded about these Vespers is that people are, have a real strong sense of what jazz is. And so they say, <laughs> well, I don't like jazz or I don't like what they have a, they immediately think of a jazz club or blues or, or avant-garde music or yeah. fill in the blank. Everybody's got yeah. their own idea of it. But the, the upshot is there's, there's a lot of music in there and there's mm. usually, I, I think there's a ton of music that, that anyone can respond to. And, yeah. um, so for me, I've really like, I've really been seeking out, uh, language and music and, and players. I, I, for me, a lot of the musicians really shape the music in a huge way, which I think is actually quite a beautiful statement. Um, yeah. you know, from a, from a Christian or religious standpoint to say that this fabric or this collection of people, this is the voice, like this is yeah. the aesthetic. And, um, I think that's very much, there are just a ton of lessons when we talk about, <laughs> you know, Jesus's teachings. I'm always like, you know, I'm pretty sure these are the people that Jesus would be hanging out with right now, or, or that, <laughs> right. or that these situations that are, you know, marginalized in a lot of cases, musically yeah. and socially. And, and it's like, huh, there's a lot there. And I think, it, um, there's just a lot to think about in terms of this mm. music and how it, how it can actually be such an ideal fit for, for churches. And so yeah. I never like to force it, you know, I, I'm never, sure. I'm not going around saying everyone has to have a jazz service, but I think certain communities will just find this organically. They're going to, they're going to go, well, wait, our, we have this beautiful person that's part of our community and man, they are, they play beautiful jazz piano or, or they're connected to this college or this, um, 
you know, this big band of retirees and they're, boy, they're right. playing some powerful music. What do we do with that? So I think it's more about, and whether it's jazz or not, it's more about people being open and agile yeah. and saying, where can we go? What is the spirit saying right now? Um, what does that mean for our church or for our school or for our mm. community? You know, and so I, yeah. I love seeing this last night. This is interesting. What we, what we were doing in my backyard is actually sponsored by, it's not technically a church. It's like an online kind of faith community, but it's, it's very creative. We have workshops mm -hmm. with musicians. There's a ton of crossover with what we do at St. Peter's, but it's actually part of another organization. And, um, to me, I, I love that they're, they're on this kind of edge of like, how can we help musicians right now? And how do, how do musicians help us kind of live into a deeper, um, kind of more connected vision of who we are and how we relate to the divine, you know? Yeah. Um, so there's Beautiful. a lot, there's a lot brewing right now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. From his 2009 album, The Jazz Mass, here's Our Father. So I um, went. I did my graduate work at Arizona State, and um, <clears throat> I played in a a church on Sunday mornings in Carefree, Arizona, Carefree Highway Community Church, and um, it was a bit rough in the sense that I had gigs on late on Saturday nights, and then <laughs> uh, two services in the morning. But I found the point is I found the. Uh, the congregation to be so receptive and such good listeners. Like I was always so touched by the response of uh, people would come up and say that solo you played or that, you know, that line that you played was so beautiful. It really touched me. And I'd never really had that happen in a club or <laughs> even at a recital or anything like that, where people came up and really said, what you just did really moved me. And that was, that was a really uh, cool experience. 
to have. That's, that's beautiful to hear. It, it makes me think of how, I think when, when we talk about this concept that you and I are talking about right now, we usually talk about how jazz can fit into a church. Mm-hmm. And when you spoke about that, it made me think like kind of flip that on its head because I think what, what happens is, and musicians sort of need that kind of spiritual connection or feedback to, to have mm. people that are receptive that maybe know nothing about jazz, but they go, boy, I liked, I liked watching your face when you were playing, like how I felt that you were really connected to what you were playing or, mm-hmm. or this, I don't, I don't understand it, but something, this is how my, my heart felt while you were doing yeah. it. And it's like, Oh, and to me, that's such a, it's a departure from what we, you know, jazz critics and stuff that we're used to contending <laughs> with, you know, where it's like, oh, you know, I'm, this is, I'm not hip enough. I'm not good enough to do this. And all of a sudden you have people going, thank you so much for, for offering that. I've, I've found that so many times where people would never profess to know like historical jazz stuff or know yeah. really anything about the music, but be so moved by it. And it's like, yeah. we really need as a jazz community to reach a lot more people. And I think that's one of the really big upshots. I think it's a very mutually beneficial arrangement to have jazz at church. You get great musicians that are coming out of schools everywhere that have no idea what to do. And if churches had this more like robust kind of approach for playing, they'd they'd probably have more people there and they would, um, people would be more engaged. And, and you also then bless these musicians that, that need, need work and need, you know, sort of that age old church musician (laughs) relationship that needs to be nourished, you know? Yeah. So I think it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of possibilities there. Yeah. That's really, that's really cool. So we've mentioned your dad quite a few times and, and um, I want to talk about, Fred Sturm just a little bit because he's he, he was such a impact on the jazz world and he, you know myself um, studying at at university and playing a lot of his charts and just hearing my teachers like Steve Owen and Sam Palafian and others just you know talk about what a what a great person and great educator he was in person um, how was how was it for you growing up as his son, like, um, that's the, you know, there's a legacy there. I, I'm just, maybe you never thought about that, but I'm just curious just in general, growing up, having him as your father, you know, how, how was that? This, this music icon in, in the house? <laughs> yeah. I mean, how, where, to, where to begin? I mean, I, I think I've definitely have thought about it a ton. I, and, and I think about it even more now as a father myself, like how, I remember feeling like, oh my gosh, I could, you know, how do you ever live up to as your hero? You know, it's mm-hmm. like musically, there was so so much that he could do. And he was such a larger than life character yeah, and so loving and so giving. And I think the, the kind of outpouring of support and care for him just reflects like what he gave to other people. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's really, it was amazing to see that. And I've had a lot of time to think about that and kind of reflect on that now. And I got his, a big poster of his from Lawrence right up to my left here. Mm. And that, that's this very bright, colorful, uh, wild kind of celebratory photo of him when he was young. And, Mm. uh, I love how that kind of captures his energy, you know? Yeah. And I miss him so much, but I, um, yeah, I mean, I think there's always this sense of just trying to kind of honor the tradition and the the stuff that he showed me and taught me. Um, 
and then there's, you know, I, I get glimpses of these moments where, you know, things that we got to collaborate together on. I, I got to write a jazz mass um, years ago now. And mm -hmm. really with him, he really helped me a ton mm. on that project. I would write, you know, string parts and orchestrate things and he'd send it back with red, red pen and <laughs> put that up an octave and take that out and, you know, all of this stuff. And, um, and it just took it to such a higher level. And mm. I knew it was special then, but now, but I, I couldn't have known at the time, like how, what a gift that was going to be. And yeah. I just wish so much we could keep doing that now. But in a way, I also know that that he's with me and um, a lot of these things, even like what we did last night, this kind of community thing with people being together and students coming and neighbors. And, you know, I think about like his legacy and how I can kind of work to honor that myself. And, and I also feel certain things in me that are like, that sometimes feel a bit like, wow, where does that come from? This is not this is not a normal thing. And I didn't work at all to, to get this certain ability of like being mm. able to, uh, talk to people or pull people together. Some of the things that I do in my job now, and maybe even outside of my job too. And, and I just think, Oh, that's, that's dad. I just saw him mm. do that my whole <laughs> life. And now it's like, breathing, you know, it's it feels like so nature, natural yeah. to do that thing. So yeah. I don't say that in a, um, the way that I described it sounds kind of uh, egotistical and I didn't mean it in that no, spirit. No. I think I just, I really find, uh, I just see him. And uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is a lot of positive things that, yeah. that happen. I'm like, oh, that's dad. There, there's, <laughs> there that is, you know? Yeah. And um, so it's really, uh, yeah, he's just with me all the time. And, mm. and uh, you know, I love listening back to his music and talking to his students and people that will have been affected like their whole lives by him, you know? Yeah. So he he played trombone, correct? valve trombone, yeah, valve yeah, and and slide trombone and euphonium. Um, mm -hmm. He started out on on trumpet actually, but he yeah, valve trombone was sort of where he ended up. Although he really, um, in later years, he he'd play very little, like maybe once a year. Yeah. It was amazing as a brass player, he'd pick up the horn and sound great. And I'm like, what? <laughs> that's not a thing. Like that's not how that works, you know. But he his voice was really in writing, arranging, right. and orchestrating, yeah. and he just you know, he yeah. could just see see it and hear it, and yeah, you know, just just know it. And and the interesting thing too is he he could he did and could write things on such a high level. You know, these are radio big bands and in Germany and, and writing for Bobby McFerrin and these, these studio orchestra pieces that are absolutely incredible the way it's mm. orchestrated and written. And, um, but then also like, you know, he'd hit, there was such a big part of his heart where he would have like a, you know, and there'd be a green Bay big band, you know, of like sixth graders. <laughs> and he would find this way of making it go right down the middle where they could all improvise and he would just make the voicing sound great. And once you've done enough writing <laughs> yeah. to, to realize like how much, what, how many chops it takes to kind of like get to that level. It's just very impressive. They just, yeah. you know, they have like a, a, a terrible sounding band play something and go, holy cow, that actually sounded cool. Like what happened right there, you <laughs> right. know? And it's not chance. It's, it's yeah. the way that the fifths are stacked up and the, the voicings and the, and yeah. the key and the, and each individual instrument. He just, he did so much of that work. He just knew what to do. And mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's humbling to see that. I mean, I think you, your initial question was sort of like, how did it feel? And it, was, it felt intimidating. A lot of times I, I would bet. practice at home and go, 
my parents are because my mom was as a percussionist as well and i would okay. think oh they're listening to me like if i screw up i can't you know and so that's when i was saying about me being a father now i'm mm -hmm. aware of that dynamic with my kids because they both play some music and i'm thinking mm -hmm. like don't worry about what i'm thinking like you can just do your just thing do you know because thing. i i could still feel what that feels like to be in yeah. a house full and my wife is a wonderful singer and you know so mm. you've got this these musical houses that you know it's like a head yeah. trip for these kids you know <laughs> so it's uh it's interesting but did, you're part of did, such a great tradition there too you mentioned chuck owen and, and all these it's yeah. so it's such a connected community you know yeah. all these these it's, people and uh, i've is. known it's, about since i was a kid you know yeah, so. it's amazing as I talk to, as I talk to musicians like yourself, just all the little connections that we have, and and you do realize like, oh wow, it's it's yeah. a pretty small. <laughs> at the end of the day, it's a pretty small community. But yeah, um, did you did you did you also play a brass instrument? Where did you start? <laughs> I almost it's like I set you up for this. Actually, my main <laughs> instrument in high school was tuba. So okay. all the way through it, that actually was kind of my focus. And then like right when I was getting into school, I was just starting to play a lot of, you know, I was like playing along with Jocko and Weather Report mm -hmm. and all. I just started getting into all this funkier stuff. On the tuba? <laughs> no, or... no. Well, probably <laughs> at some point. I'm sure I tried to play the chicken on the tuba or something like that. Right. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, no, I was playing a lot of like Bach and classical stuff mm -hmm. on the tuba. But I, more and more I was like starting to kind of, I wasn't thinking about it as composing, but I was just sort mm -hmm. of. You know, my dad, one thing, amazing thing that he showed me is to always, he's like, do you know, do your push-ups, quote unquote, like, you know, your scales and your exercises yep. and all that kind of stuff. You'd call it push-ups for your ears. But he was like, but then, then always give yourself uh, some fun time to explore, like at right. the end of every session. And so what's, what's really cool and something that makes me think about him a lot is I feel like a lot of what I'm doing right now, and, and actually, interestingly, with your playful show, mm -hmm. is kind of this idea of like, really just play, like exploring and right. like this endless field group that I have with my friend Jesse Lewis, we're, we're like always cooking up these adventures, which also was inspired, were inspired by my dad mm. taking us out to, you know, national parks and things like that. And, mm. and, um, but yeah, I find that, um, a lot of what I do now has grown out of that fun play time, you know, yeah. and sort of what I do all the time. It's ridiculous. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So. So you started on tuba and then you, you picked up the bass. We're doing some Jocko stuff. and Yeah, the bass just started to become an instrument that, that I could re could relate to the music that I was hearing and listening to. Mm -hmm. And it, and the role, its role was a lot different too. Like I could, I could be improvising and I could, um, I just really found, found some stuff when I was probably about 14, 15. And I just started playing the bass more and more. And when I got to college, I still loved playing tuba. I was pretty serious about it, but I realized that like the degree program I did was music ed and, and, uh, jazz performance, which essentially means you're just sort of doing everything. It's orchestra. Right. It's, it's like classical lessons and jazz lessons and all the different ensembles. Mm -hmm. And I just had stuff constantly and so yeah. there was really no space for another instrument and it and there was no mourning really it was like this is this is yeah. clearly like what i want i was so amped at that point to, to just be playing bass so sure um that's i still play a little bit at like with my jazz for all group i was telling you about <laughs> at the church i still pl i'll pull out you know all saints sunday i'll pull out the valve trombone and play uh, dad's horn and that's you know, awesome and kind of i could still play play that a little bit but um mm. it's a little it's a little rugged yeah <laughs> Uh, who, so that was, you did 
that degree, those um, degrees at Eastman? Yeah, I went straight through. I did. I met my wife there. She was a voice student there, and I went from '96 to 2003. So I was there for essentially seven years, doing like mm-hmm. I did masters and undergrad, and did a, a music ed kind of certification as part of that too. Sure. So, um, what was your yeah. masters in? Just straight up jazz performance. I think okay. at that point I had jumped through so many hoops in undergrad and I had an opportunity to stay there and have a scholarship and kind of get through my master's. And most of my friends split and went to New York. Yep. And I was like this, I was the the head resident, like the dorm dad at that point. And so I had, <laughs> I, you know, I had this good situation where I'm like, man, I can, I can get a master's degree right now and kind of knock this out. And I'm so glad I did because mm. now I'm, you know, as a, I have kids and, and I see a lot of people like just you know, busting yep. their tails to try to get a master's degree when they're 40 years old or whatever. And it's, I, I admire them for doing it, but it's, it's hard to balance all that stuff. So I was lucky that I got it, got it in there at the time. Yeah. But I also know- kind of delayed some stuff too. And, mm. you know, that's been something I'm exploring now is that doing the jazz thing and having kids so early and getting married so early, I, um, I, I've pushed some things farther down the road than as opposed to like the way that a lot of people did it in terms of like touring and traveling more and setting a lot of that stuff up. So the interesting thing is I'm kind of moving more towards that now. I'm actually Mm. getting a lot of commissions and touring and getting very busy, um, uh, you know, this, especially this next year. And in fact, speaking of my dad, there's a, um, Lawrence university where he taught in, in Wisconsin, um, is having the 40th anniversary of his jazz festival that he's, Mm. he established, uh, and I guess, I guess 81. And, um, wow. So I would have been three years old at the time. (laughs) And, uh, and so this festival is normally, I mean, they have, you know, Wayne Shorter, Maria Schneider's big band. I mean, they have like the the absolute most insane bands in the world playing Mm. this festival. And this year they asked me to do it with my band, which is clearly, uh, (laughs) I am so fortunate to do it, but it's, it's clear to me and I'm sure to everyone that I would not be there without my dad. And, and, uh, you know, Mm. and so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm so grateful. And the the cool part about it is I'm bringing a really insane band out there. Donnie McCasland's going to come out and, and, uh, Jonathan Blake, great drummer. And, and my band is called heart. And uh, basically putting a lot of my projects together and they were, they came to me and they said, look, we want to do something really special. What can you imagine? We'll do it, whatever it is. And I, I said, well, be careful what you wish for, because I, <laughs> I really want to do some crazy stuff. And we uh, we're going to have orchestra, you know, full strings and, and like this amazing octet out there playing. Wow. And so. I'm really, I'm so excited about that. I'm going to put a lot of energy into that to try to even begin to try to pay homage and, and right. honor to what my dad did there. I'm sure I, I know I'm not quite prepared for the emotional piece of that, <laughs> sure. but, uh, yeah. but it's going to be a ride. So when, when is that going to be? Uh, it's November. It's the weekend of November 5th and 6th, um, in this, this fall. This so, fall. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So wow, geared up for that. I've got a record a coming out. That I'm not sure exactly when it's going to get released, but we're working on it now um, with that ensemble, and it's called Heart. And um, that's and been something group? I've been been working on for a little while. Godwin Louis, this incredible saxophonist, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it's a, it's a. But Donnie is featured on it as well, and it's a. It's going to be a. Um, actually, the the concept for it was to honor our. Um, our pastor who just retired after 25 years at St. Peter's mm. and uh, he's a dear friend of mine and, and uh, so I'm so grateful that 
you know, we could put some music together to try to, to, uh, yeah, you know, pay a tribute to him. Who, who are your bass teachers at Eastman? So you're doing both classical and jazz studies there, correct? Yeah. And I was, uh, we were, we were guinea pigs. Not many people are allowed to do that. Uh, before that, and I think after that as well, it was something. They must must have been a red flag after after we were there. Um, but um, I'm getting a little bit of weird static stuff. Are you getting that? I'm not hearing anything. Okay, good. On my if side, you're not it getting it, good. it doesn't bother me. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, just you could snip that little clip out if you want. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah. I was so fortunate to be able to have uh, James Vandermark, the classical teacher there, um, teaching me classical lessons, which I really needed. I was, I was playing a lot of jazz just on my own and in my ear. And, uh, you know, I kind of knew where to go just from living in that, in my house. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there, there were so many things I wanted to check out and I was playing with a lot of people, but I really needed some foundation on the instrument. And he, mm -hmm. he really gave me that. I was so lucky to have him. And then I, Jeff Campbell, the, the jazz teacher that's there, who's my dear friend. And he, he was there, um, he was actually a student when I started studying with him. Oh wow! Because uh, I was twelve, and I was so I was taking <laughs> lessons with him before I was at college, and um, so I had him all the way through, you know, undergrad and grad school. And so we, you know, our lesson we talked a lot at our lessons and and explored a lot of different stuff. And mm -hmm. you know, Jeff was was a wonderful teacher, and would we always joke that you know he'd Jeff always had a lot going on. Um, he's got six kids, and so we'd we'd have like the uh, I'd come over for a lesson at his house and he'd say, okay, Ike, you know, we're going to learn to like, you know, repair floors today. It was like the, the, he was like, we're going to, we're going to talk about bass and we'll, you know, do this project. That only happened a couple of times, but they're funny memories that I have <laughs> of funny. like, you know, Jeff balancing all the things he had going on in his life. But he, he, we, we learned some, I learned a lot from Jeff uh, about the bass and a lot of other things too. He's mm. su such a good person. And, um, so it was, um, yeah, I was really fortunate to be able to have um, this this combination of jazz and classical lessons in school. And now I don't think they let. There's sort of been a, a they they have a different program there now where you can't actually do both of those things at the same time. So um, I think I kind of got got one past the goalie there. <laughs> Had you played much uh, upright prior to that? Uh, I had I had played a, like a lot of upright. Um, I shouldn't say a lot. I, I mean, I, it was very condensed. I don't think I really got an upright. I, I had sort of been playing upright. Uh, like when I was nine, I guess I started playing bass and my school mm -hmm. didn't have a bass. So they gave me a cello and tuned it in fourths and I actually <laughs> learned on cello. And so later mm -hmm. then my school somewhere along the way got an upright and it was a really special thing. Cause it was, they bought a brand new bass that was very nice. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I actually hadn't thought about that in a long time. That was kind of a big deal to be able to play that. Mm. And um, so that was that was very cool. And then as I got into high school, I got another, we had moved across the country and from Wisconsin to New York. And I got hold of another plywood bass to play. And so it was really, there wasn't an orchestra at my school. Mm -hmm. So I my classical stuff was all kind of on my own. Yeah. And, um, and I was sort of just, I, I was really motivated. I was playing a lot. And so... I hadn't really done any orchestral playing hardly at all. Um, but then the, uh, the upright stuff kind of just, it, that's why it was so important to have those lessons with, with, yeah. uh, JB because he really, um, 
you know, and I got to play in the orchestra at Eastman, which was really amazing. So, I but I still imagine. feel a little, I did this session the other day I told you about, and I was sitting principal for it. And I felt, I still have this insecurity where I'm like, <laughs> am I supposed to be doing this? Like, did, did I get the, the right rubber stamp that said I could do this? And there's always, I just do so much more jazz playing and I, yeah. I just feel so much more in my comfort zone with that. Although the interesting thing is now like with Endless Field, we did this video called, um, <laughs> There's a funny story behind it. It's called Wolfhead, but it's a solo bass recording in this giant slot canyon. Right, I saw that. Um, that was amazing. Yeah, thank you, thank you. That was an amazing experience to be there. I mean, you're playing, and that was actually we were talking about my dad. That was the fifth anniversary of when my dad had passed away. It was that day that we were there? Oh my god, it was gosh. just totally crazy. And so I was really like channeling, you know, his his spirit and thinking about him there because he would have just loved every part of that. You know, mm -hmm. he loved the, the Red Rocks, and I think thought about retiring down there. And um, but that group with endless field we're starting to actually incorporate one thing i love about that band is that um we're playing a lot of uh i'm, I'm really using everything that i know how to do on the instruments these these uh you know guitar like stuff that i'm playing on the electric or the acoustic electric and then mm -hmm. on upright i'm playing a lot with the bow actually but yeah. i'm not playing you know kusevitsky concerto i'm playing <laughs> um i'm playing stuff that come that really feels organic to me and and a lot of reverb and effects and looping and and i just um i love that and so I, I love that somehow especially with this endless field group it's been this way of like bringing together these different elements of my strange musical journey so far <laughs> and, and just kind of making sense of it you know yeah. in a very holistic way i love i love that band it's so fun how so, did that come about you and jesse finding uh you know forming endless field well, it's funny. We we played together in in these different groups um, with these singers, like back going about fifteen years when we when we were first in the city, and um, we would get hired for a lot of the same bands and groups, mm -hmm. and um, <laughs> and then fired by some of the same bands and groups. <laughs> <laughs> we we always tease about it because he actually um, we really did. We had such a, a kind of kinetic and uh connective energy that was happening when we were playing that mm. we'd go we'd make a lot of left turns and band leaders like especially these singers that were using us they you they know, like they that know, so much they're like look just play the blues or like play whatever you know what are you guys doing and we'd we just decide to go to some modal thing and to, mm -hmm. you know left field yeah. and we had so much fun and just, it was such a kick and we were actually both checking each other's albums out a lot at the time we both had these albums i had this record called spirit that was my first record and his record called atticus which is really different and mm. special it's a beautiful electric kind of recording mm. and we were both so into each other's music that like, and we also had listened to all the same music growing up, which I think was probably one of the biggest things. We kind of kind of strange actually because he grew <laughs> up in Boston, and and we just had we talk about these albums, and it's like literally all the same influences along wow. the way, a lot of Matheny kind of stuff, and mm -hmm. but a lot of you know ECM stuff and ECM, whatever. Yeah. But so when we started playing together, you know, we always joked that we should like have this duo together. It was kind of it was kind of like lighter, kind of a joke. But then like 10 years down the road, we're still doing a lot of sideman kinds of gigs and we both have kids and we were like, you know, we've kind of followed each other around. He moved up north. I'm, we're about an hour north of the city together here. Mm -hmm. And we, we love to go outside together. We hike and run and things. And we were out one day and we said, what would it, what would it look like if we really like actually did that? If we just sort of created our own scene and like, like, um, 
just made the music that we're hearing. And instead of just always responding to these, getting called by a ton of different people to play these things, what if we just said, this is what we're going to do, you know? And mm -hmm. so we carved out, I think we were both tired. We were both like kind of hitting this stage of like, we're just kind of exhausted of this, the, the whole scene and running around and playing, you know, right. gig these little jazz gigs, yeah. you know, it happens to so many people. And, yeah. and so we, we went, we booked a little trip up, found this like kind of rugged cabin up in, uh, in the Catskills and booked a couple of days up there with zero expectation or zero like planning. I mean, we did plan for it musically, but we got together and just like listened and, and played and experimented and hiked and, and just went in a hundred percent. Basically, it's so interesting to look in hindsight because it it really became the the essence of that group, which is this environmental focus and exploration and mm -hmm. and improvising and and like this all these intricate songs that we've kind of come up with together. And um, so it's it's been such an adventure. And that was only a few years ago. It was like twenty seventeen when we put our first record out, and right. we worked so hard. All the music is memorized, and you know I have like a bass, almost like a like electric bass, sort of like concerto or something it's like a, it's a very involved piece and jesse learned it like w weird tunings and cape double capos and all this weird stuff and jesse learned it note by note i literally sat there and went ding ding, ding whatever and he's figuring <laughs> all the picking and we just i mean stuff that would drive normal people insane and right. we just got in so deeply and and memorized this music over the course of a year and and so one thing has gone to another and so the second project was um this uh this project called alive in the wilderness and we we met up with this incredible national geographic photographer named christopher georgia and he we ended up you know through over a long period of time figuring out to go to utah and um with a solar battery and um and hiked out to these crazy locations with our instruments and with our recording studio with our these la engineers that came out that are amazing and so we essentially had like an expedition literally mm -hmm. I, it sounds funny to say it because it sounds surreal to me but we actually did this thing and it's done and it exists now you know these videos and but it was very extreme i mean we hiked up like and there's one time where we recorded in a slot canyon a different one that i'm talking about mm -hmm. with the solo thing this tune called heart and we were up on this basically a cliff that that went up into this giant slot canyon and we had a hundred foot snake that the audio snake that went to the board the computer and the mixing board and we were up on this ledge and we essentially had to like almost like on our hands and knees i had my guitar on my back and actually luckily didn't didn't take my upright up there we almost were going to try to but um <laughs> but it was it was actually a little bit one of those things like coming down is worse than coming up yeah, that yeah. we didn't realize until we tried to do that but the snake was 100 feet and we had a foot left at the bottom it was 99 feet from where we were to the <laughs> so i mean there wow. were, when you see the videos you see some of the they have these drone shots that show how actually remote we were mm -hmm. and it's not like it's not camera tricks it's like we were very you know deep into some of these locations and so there was a ton of it was absolutely exhausting we did a one song every day for like two weeks mm -hmm. and um you know to hike the gear in and find a location and hike everything in and out and you know and the temp it's 101 degrees and the, you know the whole thing was just absolutely insane but um 
it's quite but now we have this team of six people that that's like so connected and and they're we're, we're all you know we're all friends and they're always joking about like you know antarctica 2022 yeah but actually it's i don't think it'll be antarctica but we are planning our next our next trip now and trying to wrap our head around what this is gonna mm. turn into and so it, it, that group is so fun just to, yeah. to try to you know explore and find some new new ways to to express what's what's happening off of the album endless field here's supermoon featuring donnie mccastle on sax So you took your upright out there? <laughs> yes, I did. We were, we had to be, you know, <laughs> we had to be crazy, I guess is the good way to say it. But, um, yeah, I took my bass out there and we had, um, you know, that was a big part of kind of mitigating the whole thing is like finding shade and having dampets for the humidity yeah. and, you know, just that whole back and forth. Actually my, my bass, I had a, a pop and, um, <sighs> one of the seams popped the very first day and it was very loud, scared the heck out of me. And, um, but after that it had kind of leveled out and was, was fine for the rest of the trip. But wow. we had, a, we learned a lot out there. And I think we had, we had done a ton of recon to look at like, what is, what is the humidity? What are the temperatures to expect? But it's out of your control. So usually it's, you know, 15 in that area where we were, it's maybe 15, 20% humidity. And we got out there and it was four. You know, and we're like, oh, that's just the, that's so worse. Dry, you know, that's, yeah. that's a lot to contend with. Yeah. So, um, and so, you know, we're wanting to order da more dampets and all this stuff, but we're like so off grid, like Amazon doesn't go there. You know, you can't, you can't just order something <laughs> right. when you're out there. It's like you have to drive to five hours to Moab or something to yeah. go get something. So it was, mm. there was a, um, it was a really extreme trip, but we, we put a ton of work into planning it. And Jesse's amazing about that stuff too. And, uh, so we really, I, I can't, I can't believe we kind of made it through that whole thing, but it's, it's, it's fun. You know, we were trying to, to the goal with it was we wanted to have this adventure, but we, and we want other people to take their own adventures, but yeah, but we thought, well, let's, 
what's one way we could sort of bring people with us and with the video and kind of yeah. immersive audio experience we we tried to um all none of that is like overdubbed or edited or everything is like actual nature sounds that you mm -hmm. hear and our actual takes in that space so we we really were like we kind of it was a little anti uh um it's it's not it's countercultural right now to sure. do that kind of recording because you know an average whatever they say average classical recording has they used to say a thousand edits i'm sure it's much more than that now um so you know we were trying to kind of say look this is where we are this is yeah. like what this sounds like and and I'll, but also try to do a really good job with that you know do you have any uh interesting animal encounters when you guys were out there <laughs> yes there's a there's a tune um there's a yeah, which I've got to remember what tune. I think it's called. Um, there, there are a couple of different tunes on there that are animal encounters on the album. Actually, hmm. there's one that I think it's called Wind Spirit, or you know, there's one called Creature. And um, when you uh, there, it's it's wild. I started. I there was a moment where Jesse's string strings would change really quickly because the, the extreme environment. He had to yeah. change strings a lot more often than he would normally have to do mm -hmm. so there's this moment where he's like my strings are fried i gotta go change them he's like i just record for a little while and it was the most difficult moment of the trip for me like physically and kind of mentally because i was really fried i think i had maybe like a little bit of like heat exhaustion or dehydration sure. happening because we i was i'm the biggest guy so i would carry <laughs> a lot of this stuff up and down the the uh the the hills and everything where we were and so jesse said go ahead and you know play this tune you know improvise something because we were doing this mix of composed things and improvising and mm. I, w I was like on the fence about whether to do it because I wasn't I really wasn't feeling well and mm. um it was such an exhaustive kind of trip and but I had this moment where I was like no I'm gonna dig into this and I just really decided to to get into where I was and and this right as I started playing I was actually like a, I, I felt I felt mad like because I was I really kind of reached my limit mm. and so I was more aggressive in this tune and I started playing I I was getting ready to play and I was just noticing kind of where I was in my body and what was going on emotionally and um this crazy bird like was right next to me and started making this like like literally rhythmic like metronomic hmm. like sound and I was like this is bizarre and I just kind of took it in I wasn't I was sort of just flowing I wasn't really like thinking too much about mm -hmm. it but I just started literally the bird like created a, a sound and a, and a, a feel like a groove. And so I started playing that and it, it continued to interact with me. And it's only, it's maybe a minute or a minute and a half or something. And I played this whole thing and then I just stop and it continues to go. And I didn't really even understand what had happened until later. And like, we went back and listened to this thing and we just totally freaked out because I was like, this is just bizarre. Like we're having literally this literal conversation musically mm that was completely generated by this animal, you know? Wow. And then there, there was another tune on it. Um, that was creature. And then this other one, I think it's wind spirit, but where <laughs> we finished the song, Jesse and I were improvising. He had these cool bells and, you know, we had these songs that were composed and then we left this time to improvise so that we could sort of honor these different locations and really yeah. try to engage with like, make the, the place part of the music. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember thinking about it in advance going like, I wonder if this is going to be cheesy or like, is this like, is this too, like, <laughs> I don't know, is this a little over the top or the concept seemed a little bit of a stretch, but when we got out there, it absolutely was not a stretch. It was like so incredibly, uh, 
engaging and such a deep part of what was happening. And so there was this moment where Jesse was playing these little bells and I had my Arco bass thing on my bow out and was playing this. And right as I went to start playing, a mosquito flew into my ear and it was, you know, it's that terrible sensation when there's like something in your ear. Right. But at the same time I could, it was creating this bizarre, like melody, like literally pitches that are going up and down inside your ear Mm -hmm. and like very, um, kind of quickly turning around. And so, so I don't know what inspired me to do this, but I I knew we were recording and I had to, I couldn't like stop and swap my ear. And so I just literally started kind of like transcribing, like playing the, the shape and the line that was in my ear. Wow. So in both of these songs, like literally the harmonic and melodic sonic content was like generated by you know an animal or by an insect and and so afterwards the interesting thing about it is we finished it and jesse goes man what the heck was that what were you i've never heard you play like that and i go i've never played like that i was playing the the, you know what the mosquito was doing in my ear so it was a funny story but it was actually an example of like really what we had hoped for is that the music would be impacted by being in this kind of extreme scenario and situation so i think it was um it was crazy, but it did, it did work. It did. Uh, we did yeah. find some interesting things out there. That's really cool. That's, that's, yeah. What a great experience. Yeah, I, it really was. When you were talking about it before, before you mentioned the mosquito, have you ever heard of a group called Moon Hooch? No. So they're, uh, <laughs> they're pretty funny. There it's two saxophonists and a drummer and they do this crazy, they put like, uh, like construction cones in the bell of the saxophone, and they do. It's like, it's like dance music. Like they do hip hop and like crazy. But there's this video of them playing out in this field with all these cows, and the cows will come in, and then like run away, and the cows are. <laughs> it's anyway. I, when you're saying, I was just thinking about that as like nature encounters, music and nature encounters. It just popped in my mind, but having the mosquito—that t- took a lot of control for, to just to let the mosquito do its thing in your ear. <laughs> it was—it really did. It was, yeah, it was kind of torturous in a way, but it was. I'm glad that it. I'm glad that it worked out. Um, yeah, it's funny you say that. Did you say moon hooch? Moon hooch. The, yeah, it's funny because there was this band out there. And there was we found this giant cottonwood tree, which we ended up sort of being a a kind of central part of our project out there, this like hundred year old cottonwood tree. And, um, but any, when we were out there, there was this, what is the band called out there? It was like, um, I'm spacing on it now. Um, this but it reminded Utah. me of that somehow. Shoot. Yeah. I'm, I'm losing it right now. But, <laughs> but there was, um, yeah, we had, we had so many, you know, interesting encounters. And I think the thing that surprised me is, um, like you mentioned, yeah, you being inspired by, by nature and, and those, the things that are around you. And I, I do, I was just really, um, amazed at how, when you listen to the different recordings, like the music felt different in each one of those places, like playing next to a waterfall or, or a stream or a, in a Canyon, like it just really affects the sound it's in this, in a similar way to like, um, you know, when we're out, uh, playing in different, you know, you're playing in somebody's playing in Carnegie hall or, or playing in a little workshop or, sure. or classroom or something. It's like, it affects the music a lot. And I think 
that happens outside too, but then there are all these other elements that you don't plan for. You know, we, we got out to one field and they said, uh, there's this beautiful field of all these flowers. One of our videos, you can see all these sunflowers and we were like, boy, that looks amazing. Can we, can we go over to this area? And she's like, yeah, you guys have your snake boots, right? And we are like, wait, what? <laughs> and she, she, we thought she was kidding. And she's like, no, it, clearly you need snake boots to go out there. And so, so we're all like super paranoid and oh, looking no. around the whole time and, you know, so we, we got into a little bit of trouble out there clearly, but, um, <laughs> Rattlesnakes? Our, our sort of our guide, this, uh, this national geographic photographer is incredible. He's, mm. he's so experienced doing all this stuff that he was like, essentially like our guide out there. Like he's, a, he's basically a meteorologist and also, you know, just so experienced with wildlife and, mm. and survival and things out there. He would, he just, you know, and we weren't, we actually did have a place that we'd go back to, um, you know, it wasn't that we were like out there entirely all the time. Yeah. Um, so, but, but it really was, they were like 13, 14 hour days every single day, Wow. you know, and hiking back and forth. <laughs> we were absolutely fried by the end of it, but it was, you know, I'm sure we'll try to do it again. It was, yeah. it was a life experience. So did you see any snakes? I don't think we saw a single snake that I, now that I remember back to, we see them around here. Jesse and I, our band meetings, we go for a run in our little nature preserve mm -hmm. nearby and we see snakes pretty frequently running around there. But that's, that's one cool thing about that band. It's like we could sit on zoom, but that's sort of the idea of the group. We're like, well, let's take a run and we'll, we'll kind of figure out our podcast or our yeah. business plan or whatever while we're, while we're taking a run. And, and it's a, it's, it's nice. It's we're on the same page. So that's really cool. Here's another cut from Endless Field. This one's called The Curious Fox and the Deer. your practice look like these days like when you're when you're practicing your instrument do you have are you practicing a lot in these days you know it, this this pandemic has been such a weird time i felt like a real like everything else i think my practicing has kind of um reflected like what else has been going on so it's felt very up and down i've had periods where it was more disciplined and i was playing bach cello suites which is kind of my my go-to like mm -hmm 
honing in and focusing kind of practice um and some other classical repertoire but but honestly most of my playing these days is exploratory and it's mm. um i'm recording quite a bit because i have my studio here so i'm getting asked to do a lot of like ike will you record this song for me and in a lot of cases i'm recording stuff of my own and sending out to these other musicians i've got um i mentioned michael mayo this incredible vocalist and the great drummer nate wood they're like working on a project mm -hmm. uh, a couple of things that i'm doing along with jesse this endless field stuff is sort of expanding a little bit mm. um so to me i kind of feel like I'm, I'm playing the bass quite a bit with these different projects and I like my writing informs my playing and my playing informs my writing. And so I, I like to be, I, I don't have a lot of, I'm not like a very patient practicer to say that like, Oh, I'm going to sit down and play hours of like, you know, augmented, you know, lines and sure. whatever, you know, that whatever I'm probably supposed to be doing, I would rather sit and try to compose a new song and in the process, find a new picking pattern and mm -hmm. a new chord, new harmonic structure. And so, and I'm noticing the more I, the more I do that when I get in, I'm starting to get asked to do projects that sort of reflect that. So I'm not going to get asked to play, you know, flight of the bumblebee on the yeah. upright. It's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting asked to play these projects that actually are really, it's sort of like, you know, be the change that you want to see mm -hmm. in the world, sort of right. music, a musical version of that, of like, if you really enter into the stuff that you love, that starts to come back and you start to actually do that day to day. Yeah. And it's amazing to see that long term of like, wait, all the, all the bands, you know, Nadia Nordhaus and Sarah Caswell and Endless Field and my heart group and all these other things that I'm getting to do. I'm like, wait, this is all my favorite stuff with people that I love. <laughs> like, what how does how does that happen but, uh, you know it's such a such a such a gift to see that coming together so hmm. but that's a that's a you know honey-coated answer to like <laughs> i don't practice as much as i probably should but there honestly my time is so tight these days like yeah. the, i have a 12 year old and 16 year old oh. at home and um i'm juggling you know these multiple kinds of church jobs and commissions and tours and collaborations and i love it because i'm always in the in the tank trying new stuff but it's a lot to juggle yeah and um so i you know the base i have to i have to really work to make sure the base is always part of that you mm -hmm. know but I actually, I think a lot of this other work that I'm doing, talking to people and collaborating and community organizing, that's, that's art too. That's, Absolutely. that's creative. That's, and I think back to my dad's thing, that's what he was great about that. He, a lot of, you know, people could have said, oh, we, he did, you know, maybe he could have played more or done these other things. And it's like, he found his creative voice clearly, yeah. like in the way that he interacted with people. And, and, um, I can feel a connection to that now, even mm. as I'm talking about it, that it's like. That's important to know, to find those things for ourselves and, and like, let, let those things come out, you know? 100%. So, 100%. Yeah. Do you compose at the base? Like, is that where you usually start when you're going to write a new piece? There's no usual. I think I've gone, I've, especially like the earlier stuff I was talking about, like with spirits and these things, a lot on the piano, actually. Okay. Almost all of that was on the piano. Um, and then, uh but now a lot of it's on the bass. Sometimes it's on the computer if I'm doing like more of a like string kind of thing or mm -hmm. orchestrated thing. Um, these days I'm playing a lot on the bass and I notice that the songs are really affected and different depending on which bass I play because my upright has like a certain kind of melodic feel that's simpler 
and um but then i'm playing i'm composing a ton on on my um kind of acoustic electric basses and stuff and doing a lot of guitar like stuff where mm -hmm. it's capos and picking and essentially trying to be a guitar player on the bass and i think kind of getting away with it actually <laughs> somehow I'm getting, getting away with doing some of this crazy stuff but i have to be careful orchestrationally it's one of the reasons that the endless field thing works is that it's so minimal. It's just like guitar and bass. And, and I'm essentially a lot of times playing a guitar part on my bass. And then Jesse will learn that his, that part on his instrument. And then I might change my part. And so there's this yeah. back, this kind of back and forth with the two of us. And we just did this thing together out at Notre Dame last week out in, in Indiana. And we had kind of worked on this tune in that with that model, this new thing I had written. And the second that I heard Jesse, he learned my entire part, which is pretty intricate actually, like wow. especially, and he was in a weird tuning and all this stuff. And, and the second that I heard him playing it, it was just like, like goosebumps, like a magic mm. texture. And I'm like, what is that? I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going on, but it, it's so cool to hear that stuff coming together. It's really inspiring. So yeah, we're so lucky to get to do this stuff. That's awesome. What are you listening to these days, if 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 much other than your own stuff? Do you do you consume a lot of music? <laughs> I I it's very up and down for me. There are times where I really dig into some different stuff. Um, sometimes I'm digging into stuff that has moved me for a long time. Um, you know, Stravinsky or mm. like some ECM records or pop or pop stuff or all over the place. Um, sometimes I'm kind of listening a little more intellectually, like to try to grow like something that's challenging to me these days. None of that. I'm, it's been more of just like a comfort. I'm like, mm. Oh, I just need to like be okay right now. So what does that mean? musically? <laughs> right. Maybe it's quiet. Mm -hmm. I know my dad used to always like, I'd be like, dad, why don't you listen to it? I give him a hard time. Like, why don't you listen to music? I love music. I listen to it all the time. And he's like, you know, you punk kid, wait till you're 42. And you, you know, like you just want to have some peace and quiet, you know? Yeah. So it's funny to live into that a little bit. Yeah. But, um, and now my kid is sending me iTunes things and saying, dad, check this out. What do you think of this? Mm -hmm. So I laughed when you asked me because the most recent stuff I've been listening to is stuff that my kid has sent me to say, oh, what do you think of this? Check dad? this and I go, I really open my ears up and I go, I really like this and I, I'm not so sure about this and, but I love that you are sharing it with me and yeah. keep it up. You know, I can't wait to, I'm so curious, you know? Yeah. And, uh, they really want me to like it. And it's, it's funny cause some <laughs> of the stuff I just totally don't dig at all. And I'm just like, I'm just old now. And you know, it's funny, that is but, um, funny. yeah, I think that the listening thing, it kind of once again goes back to the playing thing. A lot mm. of what I'm listening to is this, I'm, I'm really digging into my own, uh, songs. I'm trying to write lyrics and write these songs. And so I end up spending a lot of time composing and listening back and editing. And so in, in one way, it's a little strange. It's a little like incestuous to think like you kind of get inside your own musical mind mm -hmm. too much. But at the same time, I think there's something cool about it because it sort of pushes you. It, it's like, it makes it saltier. It's like, it kind of pushes you a little bit deeper into whatever your own concept is. And so I've been, I've kind of, it's not really, it's not conscious, but, yeah. but that's sort of, um, I really tr do stay open. I have, I'm lucky to have some good buddies that will say, you know, buckle up, listen to this new record and listen to this stuff. And I, I love that. I love being in that place where you can, um, one of my favorite things is just kind of listening parties of people mm -hmm. playing stuff that really matters to them. And, um, so I, I miss a little bit of that. I think, um, 
I, one reason I love being around college kids actually is that there, there's just always new stuff brewing. And yeah. so I love kind of being exposed to that. Yeah. Know? Yeah. It's, it's fun getting exposed from my, my, my nieces and nephews are always sending me, <laughs> me stuff too. And it, and my girlfriend says, yeah, you don't listen to music. <laughs> like when we started dating, I'm like, Oh, you're a musician. You're going to listen to music all the time. And it's like, yeah, I do. But I, you know, it, it, I, I like you. I like the, the those quiet times, for sure. Yeah. What um, what if anything have you has this have you discovered about yourself over this past year that that maybe was surprising? Wow, I gotta sit with that for a minute. <laughs> um, I think there's been this uh, this deepening. I think there have been some really difficult things that have come to the surface for me, where you like, r like some kind of uh, reckoning things of like this has been some stuff that I've been wrestling with for a while internally and just haven't wanted to really stare in the face. And mm -hmm. now like there's really no other option. Like it's right here. And and so being conscious of like what what our spirit and bodies are and minds are kind of telling us or mm -hmm. telling me in particular. Um, so that, and I've been doing some work around that, like some therapeutic stuff of like really digging and kind of meditative stuff of mm. like what, what's going on right now. And, and how do I, I'm at this, you know, I'm, I'm just about to turn 43 and I've had a lot of, I'm at this, like, I feel like I'm at this sort of precipice in my, in my life of mm. like that, that you read about and you know, this is kind of a thing, kind of a rhythm of, of, of like, uh, um, minimum, like finding a way through like this period of your life and, and re, uh, approaching things in a new way mm. and letting go what you need to let go. And so I'm very much engaged in that and it's not easy. Mm. And I think this process or this year has like, it's been like, in one way kind of a sweet spot for that but also very difficult to, yeah. to have this year happen where it's just been like um a very extreme version of that so I, I felt like a real need to simplify and to move on and and so you know in this this shed i built back here has been part of that to go like this is kind of a a metaphor in a way of like what is possible right now and what can i how can i kind of engage in the conversation in a different way and so there's been a lot like I've, I, we would we would need more time sure i don't know if people would necessarily <laughs> be interested in my personal process with that but it's it's been it's been really deep and i think for me one way i've maybe the deepest way that i've gotten at that is to write songs mm. and some kind of difficult like kind of intense or painful or uh you know challenging like really wild stuff that i've been writing and it's been a vehicle for me to go you know this is this is real stuff that i'm feeling and i want to honor that and i want to get it out i want to express this mm. and see where that's going to go and to me it feels like the most holistic way of like of getting at that stuff because it's so abstract. It's, I think one of the frustrating things for me is I'll have these really strong feelings during a time like this and not really know even what's happening or what it is. Yeah. And I think the music has this way and, and poetry and things have a way of like putting an edge to it that, that keeps it, um, that just allows you to really process a lot of feeling and a lot of emotion. I'm a, I'm a sensitive person and artist. And mm -hmm. so I, there's a lot of stuff coming through my, my heart and yeah. my brain. And I, 
and I used to kind of fight that to some extent. And it's like, no, that's okay. That that's who I am. And I, uh, I need to, uh, I need to find continually kind of re like harvest this kind of stuff yeah. and, and see where that's going to go. So I, the, some of that has gone into like warp speed during this stretch yeah. and, and that's exciting actually it's it can be painful at times and it's also like how great is that you know that i have this this kind of supportive community and infrastructure and and um friends that allow me to do that and and i send it to them and they'll go you know yeah man (laughs) you know sometimes they might not love it or something but they're just like keep going you know give me a thumbs up and it's like how great is that to have family and friends like that around you know yeah and and i really strive to do that for other people in this like with our jazz for all thing and to just say like hey what you're going through and what your what your experiences matters Mm -hmm. and um, we can all learn from each other but like just kind of creating i really love creating space for for other people in that way too and i guess part of that for me is like i need to i need to learn how to do that well for myself Mm -hmm. if i'm going to do that for other people yeah that's such a yeah. gift that you give to others that hold it. That's the theme I've felt through this, through our time together, just the way you hold space for your community, for your family, for other musicians and, and for yourself. That's, that's awesome. Mike. <laughs> when I figure it out, I'll let you, I'll drop you a line, but yeah. uh, it's, <laughs> it's an ongoing, I think, you know, continuing to learn and grow and and hold space and and self and that self love. You know, yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for saying that. Yeah. What are you? So I know you've got this big thing in November that you're looking forward to a tribute to your father. Um, what else in this coming year? Like, what's coming up for you that you're super excited about? Um. This thing we just did out at Notre Dame was really fun. I have a dear friend named JJ Wright out there who's doing some really interesting things with their choir. They have like 50 or 60 voices and it's a very collaborative. It's actually sort of an expansion of Endless Field. We've got these other musicians that are from New York that are amazing Mm. um, that we'd sort of joined up with and it it's some kind of electronic stuff and mm. really, really fun and interesting. And, and, uh, that's sort of a new frontier and we're going to be going out for these residencies throughout this next year. And then I've got a couple of commissions. Like I wrote for this, um, Rochester symphony orchestra, which is out in Rochester, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. They have the hundredth anniversary of their organization. And so I, they commissioned me to write a new piece for my heart quartet mm-hmm. and, um, and their full orchestra and, and things. So that's, that's the kind of stuff now I feel like that's hopefully where things are going, where I can start like, and we've been doing that for a while with the jazz mass, like in different parts of the world. And um, I'm actually going to Austria and Norway this summer for some gigs and festivals and stuff. And I love, I love the people there. I have friends in these places and like, I mean, I feel like a little bit of out of body experience when I'm talking about it. Cause I'm like, how, why do I get to do that? That's insane. Like what, <laughs> like, or everyone should get to do that like yeah. some, one way or another, but it's like, it's, uh, there's, it's so cool to have some of these things on the radar. And it, what I'm realizing is that what's getting tough with my stuff at St. Peter's is that these extra things that were always these cool bonus experiences are getting bigger and more immersive mm-hmm. and take more planning. And so I'm, that's, that's something that I'm kind of working on right now and trying to discern and figure out how that's all going to work together. But it's, a, it's a really exciting place to be, to say like, how do I deal with all this stuff? Cause it's all good stuff, right. you know? And, um, 
yeah, so there's some really cool commissions coming up and, and, uh, I, I love that. I, I can't, I can't sort of can't believe that I'm, I'm able to have this fun of like, you know, cooking up stuff on my base and writing poems and somebody goes, Oh yeah, will you do that for our orchestra or, you know, <laughs> that's so like, cool. Wow. Yes, absolutely. You know, awesome. So it's, it's fun to have that coming up. That's so cool. Where can people find out more about Ike? Where, where, where are you online? <laughs> Yeah, if they dare to do that, they would go to uh, ikesturm.com. I've got a lot of stuff on my own website. And they're, they're actually, I'm, this Jazz for All thing I'm taking quite seriously right mm -hmm. now in terms of like digital gatherings, because I think even as we progress to being more in person, we won't lose that thread of like connectedness with people in very different places. It, it brings people together based more on spirit and mm. um, intention rather than like geography, yeah. you know? Just, and, and so I think, um, which you probably find a lot in your own work <laughs> in your show. Um, but I think, uh, so I'm really excited about, you know, if people, I have a, if people want to email me through my site, I have ways of connecting people. I enjoy that. Awesome. I enjoy saying like, oh, you live in Chicago, come to this thing, you know, come to, come join us for this, um, you know, whatever it is. And so I'm, I'm actually working to build that and, um, and actually even these concerts, I'm, my, my hope is that as we do these concerts throughout the summer and, and maybe continuing on that we can engage like a, a digital audience for that, that can be, that's, that makes it sound strange. It's really like, it's a legitimate community. Yeah. That's what we've found is that like you and I are talking here and seeing each yeah. other. It's like, it's not quite the same as, you know, sure. drinking a beer together, but it's, it is, uh, it really is connected yeah. and it really does matter. Yeah. And, um, so I want to, I want to keep exploring that. Awesome. Are you, do you have a Instagram, Facebook page? Yeah. All of that stuff. It's just under Ike Sturm. And luckily there aren't tons of Ike Sturms out there. <laughs> right. So people should, it's S T U R M and, uh, people can, can find me and, um, I'm, I've been enjoying putting up some of these experiences, especially on Instagram, like, you know, seeing like, it's fun to look back at this sort of, um, tapestry of all these experiences and go wow this is so fun mm. like week to week this is what's happening yeah. and uh so i think hopefully people would enjoy checking that out yeah so. i have for sure yeah. so awesome well thanks Thank so mike much. for being on the show it's been great to have you and i hoped us uh hear you see you in person someday it'd be really fun to to, to hang out and and hear some music <laughs> Yeah, and maybe we'll be out in your neck of the woods too. So yeah, let's definitely stay in touch. Yeah, come out to so Oregon. For... It's, uh, I mean, it's similar to upstate New York. It's very beautiful um, in, in its own way. Well, so. my dear friend Toby Koenigsberg is out there, oh, okay. and he was on my first album. We went to Eastman together, and um, he teaches out at the university there. And and uh, I have some friends out west there, so it'd be fun to come make a pilgrimage at some point. Yeah, so. I look forward to it. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Ike. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. Yep. Hey everyone, just a couple of things before you head on your way. First of all, thanks again for listening. I so appreciate you as an audience. And if you enjoy the show, please tell a friend. It's a goal of mine to grow the audience and get the exposure these musicians deserve. So please tell somebody, point them to the website, point them to Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I'd love to grow the audience and give these artists the attention they so deserve. Speaking of the website, head on over there, theplayfulmusician.com. 
You can hear all past shows and see show notes from this show as well as all the other shows. I hope you're enjoying this summer. Things are starting to heat up and we've got a great lineup on the way for the next few months. So stick around and leave a review. If you're, if you're enjoying the show, it'd be great to get more reviews up on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Okay, everybody, take good care, and we'll see you real soon.